Hey dreamers, it's a new year. And if you're ready to take the next step in your interpretation journey, I wanna invite you to the Breathing Underwater membership. This is a monthly subscription mentorship where we have live Zoom calls where we do interpretations of one another's dreams, we ask questions, and we seek God in community. We also have a private Facebook group with weekly teachings as well as a one-on-one coaching or dream mapping call with me every month. Because we all need a little help interpreting our dreams and I believe God designed it to happen in community. And it's just plain fun. So sign up today, we would love to see you there. We were designed to hunger for the deep things of God, to thrive on faith and wonder, to seek out divine wisdom that defies human logic. We were designed to unlock the mysteries of God. This is Breathing Underwater. Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it altogether. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more than the sand on the seashore. I awake, and I am still with you. This is episode 49 of Breathing Underwater. My name is Margot. I'm your host. And we are starting the episode today with the classic and staggeringly beautiful Psalm 139. This is the second episode in our little soul dream series. And if you listened last week, you'll know that we were talking about what soul dreams are and why they matter. And we spent some time honing in on the importance of recognizing the value of our own soul. Because one of the things that I experience a lot when I'm interpreting or teaching on this is all of us seem to have on some level a little bit of prejudice toward our own soul and start to think that soul dreams really don't have the same value as other dreams. And I am here to hopefully convince you otherwise because I have found that to be absolutely untrue. God has been leading me and teaching me and rebuilding me internally for decades to embrace my soul, 
to know my soul, to be in relationship with my soul, to love the way that I was made, to feel the way that he feels about my soul. Can you believe that? He really wants us to feel about ourselves the way he feels about us. I know so many of us were raised around people or situations that told us either straightly or maybe a little bit more covertly that we were made wrong or there's something about us that we need to change. I know I heard a lot that I was too emotional and that I was dramatic or that my emotions were too big. Now, sometimes people actually said that, full on said that, and other times it was just something that I experienced because people would pull away when I had too much emotion or something like that. But just like you guys, you have accusations that have come against the way that you're made. And I bet you got a lot of them. I do too. And this is one of the things that God loves to walk us through in our life is to replace those negative tapes that are playing in our minds about who we are because of what we were told or something that happened. And one of the ways that he replaces those tapes is he speaks to us through scripture about how valuable we are, but he also speaks to us uniquely about how he made us and what he made us for. And one of the ways he does that is through dreams. And as we can see, as we read in this Psalm today, he knows us. He knows us inside and out. Before we even say the word we're about to say, he knows what it is already. He was the first one ever to see our unformed substance and was there when we were knit together. It was under his direction and oversight and covering that we were created. We were created from his desire. So the way that we're made is intentional and it can be a lifelong journey to come back to being really in love with the way that he made us. But that's what he wants for us. That is what he wants for us. And like we mentioned last week, and like you should likely know as we are walking with Jesus, that we are being sanctified and we are being healed day by day. That this is a process that we will continue to walk out until we are whole and with him in eternity. And I believe this is the main purpose of soul dreams is to introduce us to our souls again, meaning give us imagery and language for what's happening in our souls when we are disconnected from them or when we need clearer language so that we can know ourselves, so that we can bring our hearts to him and have a dialogue about what's happening in there and then receive truth and healing and wholeness and integration. It may be hard for some of you to really accept and receive the truth that God loves your soul, that he adores the way that you're made and doesn't want to change you, that he wants to restore you back to his original design, which is still in there, which is absolutely in you and it's the core of who you are. He wants to push out the lies so that he can restore who you, who you were meant to be. But I wonder too, if it might be even harder for some of you, maybe many of you, to love yourself in that place or to even think that your soul is important enough to pay attention to. You may know that God thinks that, but you may not think that. That's real. And I understand that. 
And we have to reteach ourselves really to value our internal world, especially if people around us were always telling us it wasn't valuable or if we weren't taught to value that part of us. We have to be able to mature and push through those feelings of self-bitterness or frustration towards self and really see God's perspective on our internal world. Not just, okay, that's good for you, God. You can go ahead and love me like that. But I'm, I, I'm going to still be at war with myself. No, when we're doing that, not only are we not aligning with God, right, because of who he says we are, but we're actually aligning with our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy. He is the enemy of our soul. He's the one that seeded all those lies to try and get you to hate yourself. It's called shame. It's called blame. It's called disgust. It's all of those things that were thrown at you. Those places, they stick they stick around. They stick with us. But it's really important for us to recognize those didn't come from God, obviously. But those are also not something that we can entertain. Because when we do entertain that, we're entertaining the deception of the pit. We are entertaining the deception of demons. We are entertaining the thoughts of the enemy. We are actually giving power over to that realm, which I know you do not want to do. I know you want to agree with God, but sometimes we don't recognize that we're not only not agreeing with God, we're actually agreeing with the enemy of our soul who hates us, who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And listen, I know that sounds a little intense, Margot. Why'd you have to go there? Because that's real. That is really what's happening here. <laughs> we can't sugarcoat this. And that doesn't mean that you fake it and all of a sudden pretend to love yourself, but to look, to really look at those areas of, wow, why do I feel such disdain toward me, toward this feeling that I have, towards this emotion that comes up, toward this memory, toward this part of my personality. It'll take bravery, but that's what we're called to do, and I know you can do it. This Psalm 139 is loaded. Loaded. And honestly, this whole soul, this whole psalm feels like a case for the soul to me just of how God knows us inside and out and how there's nowhere we can go from his presence. Everywhere we go, he is also there. Talk about confronting abandonment. The fact that he was there when we were made, he was intentional with our personality, even if it's different than the person next to us, even if it's different than what our parents wanted it to be. He was intentional and he took the time. He was alone with you when he created you and said, it is very good. It is very good. And I'm going to come back to this psalm another time too, because I also believe that it is a case for dreams. I'll just leave you hanging with that one. Because today I really felt we were meant to focus on verse 14. I'm sure you know it well. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. What does that even mean? I remember reading this dozens and dozens of times and kind of just skipping over that part because it's like, mm, what? Yeah, I think it means that I'm made well, right? I'm made really well. I'm made to fear you. Okay, great. 
But that's not actually what this means. I mean, it does say that we are wonderfully made, but fearfully and wonderfully made here, fearfully means with great reverence. It means with heartfelt interest. It means with respect. Whoa. So we could actually say this, I praise you, for I am made with great reverence. I praise you, for I was made with heartfelt interest. I praise you, for I was made with respect. Did you know that God respects you? That's not a word we use a lot when we're talking about our relationship with him unless it's we respect God. But did you know that he respects us? Did you know that he has reverence for us? Did you know that he has heartfelt interest for us? This is a part of the reason he gave us a free will is because he really respects our yes and our no. He respects us as autonomous beings. He wants to be united and one with us again. He desires for us to yield our will to his because it's that beautiful coming together union of intimacy, not I just want to break your spirit or your will so that you do what I want to do. No, it's not that. It's the heart of a lover. It's the heart of a husband for a wife and a wife for a husband where there's this becoming one and the yielding to one another is out of love and delight and respect and reverence. It's so interesting how disrespectful I can be toward my own soul. It's so interesting how disrespectful I can be towards things I do or say. I am far more disrespectful to myself than I am to other people. And that's not something that I'm, you know, loving to admit and have absolutely taken a lot of ground in. But when we are being honest and really transparent and are aware of our thoughts and are aware of the workings of our innermost being, which I try to be, I think we will all recognize there's a little thread in there. Sometimes it's a big thread. Sometimes it's nice and loud. And other times there's a whisper of, wow, I, I think I actually don't like myself. I, I don't respect my soul. How would it change things? to know that your soul, your personality, your person was made with great reverence. That God looks at you with respect and reverence and interest, heartfelt interest towards who you are and what you enjoy and what you want to do and what you're thinking. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we love when we fall in love, right? Especially those initial months. It's like, whoa, you feel so delighted in. You feel lit up. You feel like you are the center of the universe, that you're the most beautiful being that was ever created, that you were the most interesting, handsome, strong, right? Well, that is the way that God intended us to feel when we experience how he looks at us. What would it change for you 
to know that you were made with reverence, with respect, with heartfelt interest. How would it change things for you to start revering yourself? Recognizing yourself as this holy being that was made in God's image. What would it look like to put yourself in the shoes of a niece or a nephew or a son or a daughter or one of these little ones that you just absolutely adore and that you want to protect and that you want to encourage and build up, that you delight in watching play and have ideas? What would it be like to look at yourself that way? Because essentially, that's what your soul is. It's you. It's you when you were five. It's you when you were two. It's you when you were awkward 12. It was you when you were 18 and made those really bad decisions. Your soul is all of those parts of you. And, and so being able to see ourselves as our little person, as our little girl or little boy self might help in this whole journey of having respect and reverence and delight and interest in yourself. You might be asking, well, isn't having interest in myself being selfish? So many of us were told that, especially in the church. No, it's not selfish. It's stewardship. And it's agreeing with God about who you are. Look in this very verse of this psalm. David, he's the psalmist of 139. He is acknowledging that his own soul knows how wonderfully he's made. He said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. David's soul knew. He had a revelation of how beautifully and intentionally he was made and loved that we all should aspire for. And God says that David was a man after his own heart. Jesus came from his line because of his love and honor for David, because of David's honor and love for God and who he was. And a part of who God is, is the maker of wonderful things. He doesn't make mistakes and he doesn't make junk. Whoo, listen, I could preach. <laughs> I have a lot more I could say on this and a lot more I could say about soul care. But another thing we're going to leave for another day. Today, I want to leave you with this. If I stirred something up today, don't be upset. Stay with that. Maybe it got stirred up on purpose. If I just scratched the surface today, I would challenge you this next week to dig a little bit deeper. And I would say for any of those of you who are ready for homework and love having something to do in between episodes, that this would be a beautiful time to really meditate on Psalm 139. Why don't you, from now until next week, read through Psalm 139 as many times as you can, but slowly and intentionally, so that you're recognizing the words that are used. Notice which phrases stand out to you. Notice which ones maybe irk you a little bit or make you feel like you're not sure you actually believe that. It's okay to be curious and it's okay to have feelings about what you're reading. I think it's actually a really beautiful thing to let scripture read us. That's something that one of the pastors at my church says sometimes is, you know, we read the word, but we also need to let the word read us. Meaning we need to let the truth of what we're reading 
cause a reaction in us and then pay attention to what that reaction is because that's an area that's probably not aligned yet with the truth of what scripture is saying. So just be patient with yourself. Go through 139. Allow it to soak in. Pray into it as you are reading and listening. Note which words and phrases stand out. Note the parts that that stir you up a little bit or the that are hard for you to believe. Bring those to God in prayer. Know yourself in that. That's the most beautiful thing you can do in those moments is to just be with yourself, seeing yourself in that moment, knowing yourself in that moment, having compassion on yourself in that moment. There are some things that I read sometimes in scripture and a part of me is definitely like, I think that's false because this is what I've experienced. And instead of, you know, thinking that maybe a part of me is a heretic or just shutting down that experience, I want to get curious and go, whoa, okay, there's a part of me that really is looking at this truth and is not believing it. Well, there's a really good reason why I'm not. There are things that have happened that have built up a mindset that is contrary to scripture. And it's actually up to me and the Holy Spirit who convicts to bring that stuff to the surface so that we can renew that part of our mind. But in that moment, my prerogative is just to notice and to be with that part of me. This is a part of being in relationship and connection with your soul instead of going, you believe that and it's wrong. Shame on you. Here's some scripture to, to cover over that. We don't want to be religious with our souls. We want to be compassionate and we want to be present to them. The same as you would, like I mentioned before, with a niece or a nephew or a child of yours. If they come in with that, are you going to just immediately shut them down? Or are you going to be curious? Are you going to ask them about it? Are you going to teach them? Are you going to go to God with them? Are you going to bring them into prayer with you? Let's do that with ourselves. And of course, this exercise is really just to start paying attention even more to how your soul is moving, what your soul is speaking to you, and start building even more relationship there. Next week, we're going to go into how to interpret a soul dream because it is a little different interpretation process, but it's going to require us paying attention to our soul and recognizing a lot of what we're feeling. So this is all building up to next week. And then, of course, we're going to have some Uh, examples of soul dreams interpreted and going to do a live interpretation. And I hope it's going to be helpful for you and really bring you into the fullness of what God wants to do through your dream life. So I look forward to hearing from you. And as always, happy, happy dreaming. (laughs) 